Andrew Wiggins is third among Western Conference frontcourt players in fan voting. This is huge. This is his shot. It's never good when, you know, you miss shots. Welcome to episode 178 of Wolves Cast, the show that requires proof of vaccination to enter its podcast studio. It's hosted by myself and my brother, I'm Neil. I'm Scott. And uh, we got to check uh, vaccination status here from, uh, uh, let's see, Scott, we got you. Uh, I got, got all my boosters. Yep, yep. Uh, I got mine right here. Uh, we got the we got the photo on the phone. You know, that's that counts. It's a little iffy. You got the Johnson and Johnsons. So yeah, yeah. I got that Janssen. Let some rule slide. Got that Janssen. But I've been boosted with Pfizer, so so that covers it, I think. And uh, let's see, who else do we have in here? Oh, wait a minute. We got a guest, Scott. All right, let's check him out. Check him out. Um, okay, sir, you passed the test. Welcome to the show, everybody. It's a very special guest. John Myers in the house. Hello, John. What's up, guys? I'm boosted. Ready to go. Thank you for being boosted. I know it was a last-minute um, requirement that we had, but yep. uh, we are here in the city of Minneapolis, and we are serving beverages um, here in the studio, so we had to uh, we had to comply um, with, the, with the mandates um, laid down by the city, so thank you. If you're going to a Wolves game. It applies to you. That's right. And you got to wear your mask, too. That so, was an optional thing. Here's before. the thing I'm not clear on. I have photos of my vaccination cards on my phone. Is that good enough? That's I heard you might... said it counts. Okay, good. Because yeah. I, I thought you might need the docket app, but... Yeah, I think the docket app or a photo or having it, uh, you know, just in your hand. Lamination, maybe. I got know? my card laminated today, Ooh, just to be safe. I so. think it's going to be like one of those things we look back at with the pandemic and be like, why didn't we make those wallet size? You know, <laughs> yeah, like a credit card instead. Yeah. Like of all the things, that, that was just like a weird decision. Let's, let's make sure it doesn't fit in any wallets. Yeah, it's like uh, like two by two, or no, it's like it's bigger than that. Yeah, yeah, it's like three too, by four. Too tall. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, uh, we're we're all good to go, and uh, we have a guest in studio for the first time. Well, first time in the history of this studio, I believe, actually. Right. I guess we had Robert in here to do yeah. uh, to do uh, Jeopardy, but. Uh, you know, uh, as as we've done kind of for the last two years, it's uh, it's all about uh, the you know the different review uh, points of the year. Every twenty five percent, you know, we had uh, we had the quarter mark season with uh, uh, we who did we, we have on the show? Kyle. Scott? We had Kyle. Yeah, we had uh, uh, not Mister Tige, but uh, Mister Radke. That's Kyle right. Radke um, uh, for for the quarter mark season, and we're halfway through. Wolves are wolves are exactly fifty percent. And uh, we had to have John, uh, a.k.a. the Daily Wolf, in here to uh, recap the first half and then talk a little bit about the second half. So that's what we're going to do today, a little mended episode of Wolf's Cast. But John, first of all, how are you? How is life? How is... uh, how is just you know your wolves fandom doing this year? It's it's uh, I think things are, are going well for that side of things. Yeah, life is good. I'm dealing with the pandemic like everybody else, working from from home every day. Uh, but it, it's good, and um, yeah, I'm happy to cover the the wolves. It's my seventh season, so Ooh. they still let me in the building. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm really happy with the team this season. I think they've exceeded my expectations and. Like Pat Bev was saying uh, just the other night in a press conference, he was really raving about Chris Finch. You know, he tells the guys how lucky they are that they have a coach like Finch. And the more I think about that just every day, every week, I'm like, he makes me confident in this team and, and the future of this team. So 
right now I'm really happy being at 20 and 21, and I think it's it's a promising first half, and let's go. Let's go. Let's go with it. And, uh, you know, we were talking a little bit about your dog, but I just realized you know, your dog famously named Rubio. Yep. And, um, you know, was it was it a sad day, uh, you know, a few weeks ago? Did, did, did your dog, you know, somehow yelp in pain? What's going on? Yeah, I had to break the news to yeah. him. He was, he was laying on my bed. Oh. He's not even supposed to be on my bed, but he was laying there, so I let him. Yeah. I just told him, you know, Ricky, he's... <sighs> It's ACL. It's the same ACL. So, which really sucks because Cleveland was a blast to watch. I thought Rubio has yeah. been a really a key element of that team and their kind of revival this season. So, yeah, it was tough to break the news to him. It was tough. It was tougher when we traded him for a second time. Of though. course, yeah. yeah, of course. That's uh, that's hard. Alexi, change change his face. Be happy. Enjoy. You can just say that right to the dog right there, you know. <laughs> that's, so that's, uh, that is what I say to him. But yeah, that's that's good that the dog is hanging in there. But yeah, the Cavs have been fun. Um, I still got, I still think the Cavs can hang in there. You know what I mean? They got uh, they got Rondo, so that, that'll <laughs> help. Big deal. Yeah. Also, the easiest remaining schedule in the league. Okay. They got all their hard games out of the way early. All right. Probably have the rookie of the year as as of right now. And no. Evan Mobley. No. Who? Scotty Barnes. Oh, Scotty Barnes. Okay. Well, Kate Cunningham is playing really well lately. Ooh, it's going to get hot. It's going to be a fun race. In the second half, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, Mobley is amazing to watch on defense. Man, that guy. He's got yeah, he, long arms. He, he could make a – I don't know if he'll make a defensive all-NBA team, but he, you could put him wow. in the conversation. That's how well he's playing defensively. I can't think of the last time a rookie was on the all-defense team. Maybe – I don't even know. Maybe Gobert? I'm trying to think, like, who was the last rookie – I mean, uh, that's what I was thinking about. I don't, Gobert, I don't think which is like 2014 or 13 or something. Well, yeah, we'll, um, we'll look it up. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like who is even possible. Like that's even been in there. There's just like so few guys. Like if you're a defense only guy, it's like Josh Okogie or something. It's like you don't yeah. play enough. Yeah, All right. or I got, like Thibault. Like I don't even know. It has to be a big if anybody. There's probably about like 20 guys who have done it. Um, Tim Duncan did it. Ooh, David oh. Robinson did it. Oh. Jordan did it. Oh. So, what's the most recent? Any? Did you have it like by by time? Or uh, mo- most recent was Tim Duncan. Whoa! So it hasn't happened since 2001? Timmy. Uh, 97, 98. Oh, 90, yeah, sorry. Yeah. So forgive my memory for not remembering yeah, since I was right. nine years old. Woo. Yeah, most of these are like oh, most of these are in the 40s or 50s. So really, hasn't been done much in the modern era. Uh, Larry Bird did it though too. Yeah. So, so did Kareem. Nice. There so you go. some good names on the list. We'll see. Wilt. Maybe maybe, um, maybe yeah. the Wolves will have two guys on those teams this yeah. year. Balmaro. <laughs> <Let's> go. <laughs> good exactly. First guy that comes to mind. <laughs> they don't have many rookies, but uh, yeah, that's the deal. All right, let's talk about the first 41 games of this season. Looking back a little bit about what has happened and kind of you know try and figure out uh, you know what we saw. Talk about a little bit. Team is uh, 20 and 21. As we record this, recording this uh, during the Memphis Grizzlies uh, game here on Thursday. So, uh, you know, we'll see how that goes. But uh, defensive rating is uh, ninth and offensive rating is 16th via cleaning the glass. A little bit different on NBA.com and some other places. But that's the general range. You know, they're they're around 10th in uh, in defense and around, you know, 15, 16, 17 in offense. So that's uh, that's pretty good. That is just starting right there is like. 
you know, obviously this is, I think, the main thing we've talked about the most of this year as far as surprises go is how good the defense has been. And, you know, just to see these numbers, uh, you know, it's, it's again, it's been well, well-trod territory here of how we thought this would be an offensive first team and instead they win with their defense. So um, that's, that's pretty wild that it's kind of held on this long too. I feel like most Wolves fans are... NBA watchers in general, like, when is this the Wolves for real here? Are they really a top ten defense? And it's held in there, right? So as of now, I think it's it's pretty credible. So it still just feels like it's not real. Like I'm waiting for it to just uh, you know yeah, fall out underneath us because it's yeah. just like we've never ever seen that since KG, a team that you know is winning on defense, and you know the defense is better than the offense. So I mean, we haven't seen it in Minnesota. And it's so. just more, I think, about too. Yeah, strange for Wolves fans culturally, but then it's also just like the roster doesn't seem to be a top 10 defensive roster right well i'm sure we'll get to it but we do have you know the individual defenders that i think have really tied everything together and helped out with our with our cornerstones you know carl delo and they there were so many question marks on defense because those three guys were not playing good good defense Mm. and the drop coverage was definitely not a good fit for carl i think Mm. that was very obvious so during training camp there was like it was the focal point was they talked about defense, defense, defense all the time where you kind of thought, you know, are you just practicing defense all practice? That's what it sounded like. And I think they really did emphasize it, but in the back of your head, you're like, well, that's great. You're emphasizing, but I've heard that before. You're right. Every team likes to say that. Yeah. yeah, And then the weeks and months go by and now we're 41 games deep and it's like, okay, we are, we could have maybe a top 10 defense and we're number one in, turnover percentage right. in the league at 15%. We forced the most turnovers. So you kind of have to ask yourself, you know, can we sustain that level? Because we're we're getting so many steals and blocks, creating those opportunities. I think we're sixth yeah. in pace to get out in transition because our half-court offense is a mess. Mm. So we have to play fast. And so I think, you know, I think it's sustainable. I, I don't have any reason to believe it's outside of an injury happening to like a real significant injury happening to Pat Bev. Yeah. Or Vando, Jared Vanderbilt. Um, I, I think it's it's we can sustain it, but it is funny to think of the Wolves team driving yeah. wins through defense <laughs> instead of offense. I looked it up today, and this is the best defense we've had since 2014 under Rick Adelman. Whoa. We were 40 and 42 that year. That was the the season that Kevin Martin. Um, we lost like eight or ten games, and just the what was just <laughs> right the, the, end. the yeah. most stupid, yeah. wildest can't inbounds the ball fouls it's it was a very frustrating season that's right yeah um but we were 12th in defensive rating that season and i think we were ninth in offensive rating so this team i think if we can it reminds me a little bit um of that season and so hopefully we can keep playing great defense because i think the offense is going to come around in the, the next 41 yeah, that's that's probably again. Even even now, it's like we're still waiting. We're still like waiting for that like idea of the team to be true. Of like the offense is better than this, right? Like again, just looking at the personnel and even a little bit looking at Coach Finch and what his background is. But you know, I think Scott and I were talking about this. You know, recently I listened to the Nate Duncan podcast and he was talking about the types of. And this was a long time ago, maybe maybe a month ago or something, where it was like 
they were talking about the types of things uh, in a team's profile that um, can that uh, st- uh, traditionally um, can last for the whole year versus things that are a little more fluky. And you know, forcing turnovers is something that traditionally teams who do that continue on throughout their year to do that. Whereas obviously something like shooting percentage, like if your defense is good because the opponent is missing a bunch of shots, well, that's something that tends to come back around and even out as the year goes goes on but that's not necessarily the case with turning turnovers so i th- i have just because of like stuff like that that makes sense you know what i mean it's like this is how they play maybe they won't get quite as many steals but the it, it sounds like they'll be top five and at least in in turnovers for us maybe not number one but i think the defense can hang around and well that, i mean there's also the other side of that which is what yeah. you just said in terms of what what you know will change i guess the opponent's percentage of their but shots i don't know where the wolves are in that we talked about I mean? this yeah. i think we broke it down on last week's pod but like the Wolves allow like some like if not the most three pointers in the league, they're like top five and three pointers allowed, and they're like bottom ten in terms of opponent three point percentage. So our opponents are taking tons of shots and shooting below average mm-hmm. from three. So I think that that's something that I would be worried about. Like if they just start hitting them on a league average rate, then our defense is going to take a few steps yes. backwards just because they're they're making shots. And that we've they seen missed. those games, that Atlanta game. There was like three games in a row where like teams hit like 23. Uh, I, I, I remember like, the second game of the season we went to against the Pelicans and uh, Alexander Walker oh yeah. was like one for 12 and Graham was like one yep. for 14 and a yep. from three. And it was a lot of just wide open shots. And we were like, wow. It's like for every one of those nights, there's the Atlanta night where it's like, oh my God, they can't miss. Right, exactly. <laughs> So, yeah, so the defense hopefully can hang out. But, uh, you know, I think anything even above, you know, league average is is still a huge achievement for this team, even though now they've kind of shown it. So maybe we have a little bit of expectation of, hey, aren't, I thought you guys were a good defensive team. I kind of felt that way on Monday against the Pelicans. I was sure. like, what's this? Because it was like the first real egg they laid, I feel like, on defense all season. And just in terms of like that first half, they just weren't trying. And, and that's one thing that I haven't been able to say about this team very often is that they always bring the energy. They always are. And that's something that's really encouraging because it used to just be the Wolves just didn't have that mental edge, you know. If it was a talking about losing all those Sunday games afternoon end. game, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or like a Sunday afternoon game, you just knew there was going to be a loss because the Wolves weren't going to come with the right yeah. headset on or stuff like that. And so uh, mindset on. And so I just feel like our mindset has been pretty good this season about uh, not taking things for granted. But we did that against the Pelicans, and that yeah, was kind of disturbing for sure. And this team, what what they have displayed, which is a little bit frustrating, but is within a game, you see a couple different versions of the Timberwolves. Like, mm-hmm. they have these stretches where they're playing really sloppy, really messy, or they come out really lethargic, and they don't take the opponent. They play down to their opponents. They play up to their opponents. And we saw that against the Pelicans, where they didn't really take that first quarter seriously. The first half was just sluggish. And then they like, oh, it's they flipped the switch, okay, yeah. and then the defense was like, okay. Then they locked it in, and when they made that comeback in the fourth, they were really locked in. So yep. I'm sure Finch is like, you know, when they talk about that game, when they review the film, is like, we got to lock it in from the jump. And you can definitely tell the Timberwolves when they're going to have those nights, they're not really locked in from the jump. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's something that, you know, like the rest of us fans, it's just like we're getting used to <laughs> what this is, you know. And I think there's a lot of players on this team who haven't been on a good team before, you know. Like they, whether they've been on the Wolves or what, or they're just young or whatever, but they haven't been on an NBA team that, 
you know, can put together five straight wins or, you know, you know, just like you're saying, have more consistency night to night with the effort and things. So hopefully that's something that comes around for the Wolves, especially with some of these players like Towns and Edwards. And you guys have never been to the playoffs and never, again, been on an above 500 team. You know, Pat Bev is kind of like the only guy who's or maybe Prince can, you know, these guys that can say, I've been on a good playoff team before. Here's what we do. Here's how you be consistent and stuff. Because for the Wolves, it's, it's their first time around. I think Pat Bev is like uh, J.J. Redick. And that he's been to the playoffs every year of his career. <laughs> yeah, he has. That's it's, right. He's like, when when I'm not missing it this year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think he said something like that at media day. Yeah, I remember. I, I asked Jeff Teague that question at media day. <laughs> oh, um, that's what, if he yeah. was going to be the guy that uh, if, if if they're going to miss the playoffs for the first time, he's like, no, no, Whoa. not gonna, no, not that uh, year at least. Yeah, sure enough, <laughs> they did actually break uh, end up breaking his record. But you mean NBA champion Jeff Teague? Yeah, yeah. good for Jeff. He's that's like right. a, he's an all time cool guy. Like you might have not liked his uh, post entry passing, but um, <laughs> he's like a really cool guy. So. Yeah. Um, just on in terms of the offense, like when I think about it, we're first in three point attempts per game. We shoot like I think uh, forty two a game, a ton. Ooh, yeah, I can't imagine. Like I just don't feel like it's gonna. We're gonna stay twenty first in percentage. Yeah, um, it seems like we have again. Talking, looking at the roster, you have guys who can do better than that. I don't think Malik Beasley is gonna shoot this poorly all season. D'Angelo even is. I, I think he's shooting thirty nine point eight percent on the season. All of his shots. Okay. It, it, his three pointer is um, 34.7, Beasley 34.6, Ant 37.1. But I mean, Beasley, we're talking sub 35% on 358 attempts. Yeah, I can't, Malik Beasley is too good of a shooter <laughs> to stay in this funk. Yeah. And I guess the promising, promising thing to me is to, there's like five games where if you just said Beasley and Torian Prince, hit a couple of their threes, we win. And so I, I hope we do have a stretch where these guys, they catch fire from deep, and I think it should generate some some more wins in this back half of the season, whereas I think it hasn't really shown to generate the offense a lot of these 21st wins. Yeah, because you even think about, you know, just, just yeah, a couple a couple of those threes going down can make a huge difference in, in, in a single game. But even those numbers you just read of, of Beasley and, and D'Lo, like, those are better than they were, you know, at the quarter mark or whatever, right? Yeah. Like at yeah. least they're at like league average now or whatever. So I think they were sub twenty or they were sub thirty. They were at like twenty nine, thirty percent now. At least they're getting closer to the mid thirties. So mm-hmm. you know that's and again that's kind of what we're talking about here. It's like yeah, over the course of the whole season, this is probably going to even out. Um, you know, they're not this bad, but yeah, we're halfway in. So it's like all right, let's get let's get that number. But now it's like now mm-hmm. you now thinking about it, they have to shoot above average for themselves just to get to average average you know for their career or whatever so yeah hopefully some of that is coming i mean i think it's impressive on just the number of attempts i mean yeah. ant is at uh what was it 37 percent on 8.8 three shots, guys three, three guys that average more than eight threes a game and then you throw in carl who averages five point five and a half five yeah. and a half and he shoots carl shoots 42.2 percent so even redistributing i know finch wants him to take more threes yeah. and he needs to take more threes mm-hmm. but giving him getting Carl closer to that eight mark and then just hoping, hey, D'Angelo, Malik, and Ant's been, you know, he's been he had the Denver game where he had made ten threes. Mm-hmm. Ant's kind of hot and cold like he's he said some fives he's yeah yeah, five, yeah three games too so mm-hmm. he's, he's he can do it and when he's hitting threes he's really on yeah and he's he, he doesn't mind taking him off the dribble and all that stuff but 
Yeah, the the ant threes and I think I saw another stat. No, no, I'm paraphrasing here, but it's in the same vein of there's only like five players in the league who are averaging eight attempts and making you know 35 yeah. percent or whatever it is, whatever ants barely making, and they're all like all stars and ant. You know, so it's well, I think it was fascinating nice. during one of those guys. the Pelicans game with the broadcast. Great insight, you know, from Jim Pete, Dave Benz. Uh, they said that you know they showed. Ant's three-point shooting percentage on catch-and-shoots. And it was like 70-something percent on catch-and-shoot threes. And then you just start watching the game with that lens, and he hit every catch-and-shoot three he took in that game, and he missed like almost every off-the-dribble three. And you're just like, oh, well, that, that you know, I, I hadn't realized that's what I was seeing. But when you put the stats to it, it's like, oh, yeah, he's really good on catch-and-shoot stuff. And it seems like he's taken more of those in recent weeks because he's been out. Of, he's been lights out for the last two weeks pretty much. Yeah, you yeah. are seeing a few more catch-and-shoots. That's good. And once Ant gets going from the perimeter, I mean, I mean, we all want downhill Ant first yeah. and foremost yeah. because he just can get to the rim at will, and that's when I know that's what Finch he wants to see a lot more out of. So when he hits the three, they have to respect it even more. Mm-hmm. It just makes him a deadly player. Like we were talking about, what do you have, like 46-48 against the Warriors. Ooh. You saw that scoring outburst against wow. Denver. I mean, he can really score. One other point I want to bring up is just that has kind of irked me a little bit this season is we're 24th in free throw rate. Oh, yeah. We need to get to the line way more, and that's kind of goes along with downhill ant. But D'Angelo, you know, he's not a great foul drawer. Carl can be better. I think everybody can be better, but an easy way to just help this offense is just we just need to get to the line a lot more. Yeah, I wonder if that's in the cards. I'm trying to yeah, I'm trying to think how that can happen because it's like Anthony Edwards already drives so much. He like just doesn't get a lot of calls. Carl's maybe a little bit the same way, but you know, you were just saying how most Wolves fans want him to take more threes. That's going to be fewer free throws for him. So yeah. I, I don't really know where that's going to come from unless it's Ant starts to get more of those calls or Carl, you know, again, it maybe maybe the tide will just turn with those guys and the officials. But other than that, I don't really know, like looking at the roster and seeing the skills. You would think also with the, all the offensive rebounds they get, that they get fouled a little bit more, like putting those back up. So maybe that's where it comes from is just like more second attempt fouls or something. But Well, one thing to watch is just can Nas stay on the floor because he's second on the team in terms of uh, oh. per, per 36 fouls drawn. Okay. You know, so he's fourth on the team to, in total. But yeah. like he's he he generates fouls when he's on the floor but that's a good one good on on the season towns is the only one who's he's averaging six free throws a game and no one else on the team is even averaging three and a half mm. so i yeah. doubt i doubt there's another team in the league who's uh, has two you know only one player above four free throws a game yeah yeah i'm just looking at d'angelo and ant uh they need to do whatever yeah. they can ant doesn't get a ton of respect he doesn't get a ton of calls we all know that d'angelo yeah, i think not trying <laughs> With the way they've changed these rip-through rules and just yeah. guys flailing in, that takes away from D'Angelo's ability because he's really good at that. Yeah, <laughs> um, That takes away from his ability to get to the line, but he's got to figure out a way to get to into the line. Like you said, Scott, I mean, he's got to get to the line five or six times, not three and a half or whatever it is. Yeah, and you can't just jump into guys anymore. <laughs> They're not falling for that. That's not happening. Um, question for you guys, um, as far as this season has gone, halfway through now, um, how have ex- expectations changed for you or just maybe just for Wolves fans in general, like from where we came into this season at, you know, like that, what, what when the mindset there, because I feel like at that time it was mostly a lot of question marks of like, we'll see how this all comes together. 
but hopefully they can you know be what was the over under like 36 i think it's 34 yeah 34 depend, and depend, a half i think yeah. depend on what book you're all that stuff but yeah lower to mid 30s was kind of the thing i think most wolves fans would have taken the under on that so what's different now as far as the expectations go do like i said before do we expect the defense to be this good now like we're we gonna be mad if the defense gets worse and stuff what's changed scott you can go well, I mean, I think I, I picked the under. I, I think a lot of, of like bloggers and stuff kind of picked the over. I think people tend to be optimistic in the in the preseason, you know. And yeah, I every remember, team's like that. I remember I felt like I was kind of in the minority about. I felt like I was being a grumpy Gus, just being like under because <laughs> I, I was like, I think this team's going to be better, but you always bet the under with the Wolves. It's like the Spurs; you would always bet the over. You know, it's just you do it until they fail you, and then yeah, then you change your mind. Historically, so I, bet, yeah, yeah, I was just going with history, and I think uh, obviously. Obviously, if we don't hit that over-under now, it's going to be just a calamity of a second half of the season. We only have to win 14, 15 more games a season to get there. So yeah. I think that that's obviously, you know, I'm taking that for granted right now. And I think at this point, I, I would feel very disappointed if we don't make the playoffs. I think yeah. I think the playoffs are now an expectation where I thought that was kind of like the high end pipe dream coming into the season is maybe we can get to those play in games. Everything goes right. And now I think we could even possibly avoid the play in games. That's really yeah. the pie in the sky. Like that would be us hitting our ceiling, I think, is yeah. us avoiding the play in games altogether. That means we get a top six seed in the West. And I think that would just blow people's minds. But yeah, I, I think if the Wolves miss the play in game altogether, I think that would be a shock to fans, which really just goes to show how much the expectations have changed. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think the expectations are higher. I was I was more in the club, like I was thinking thirty five wins. Um, didn't didn't really think that. I mean, I pray that they can stay healthy, but <laughs> this team they haven't shown in years past was sustaining an, an injury. They just they fall apart. So I'm not. I don't want to speak things into existence. But if a player um, like D'Angelo Russell were to go down, I think we're two and eight without D'Angelo. He's had a number of injuries throughout his career. Yeah, I don't know. Like we can't, sur- been, I don't think we can yeah. survive that, and mm-hmm. so that's where I get really concerned. Is that you know, a team like we were talking, Memphis Grizzlies? John Morant goes out, and they win. They just keep winning. So I'm a little bit worried um, about that. But my expectations um, they haven't changed dramatically. But I, I guess I went from kind of maybe we could be a playing team to now it's like yeah we should make the playoffs. And I've, I've heard it so many times um, in the post game commentary. The players just they talk about it all the time. Like playoffs, playoffs, playoffs. That's their yeah. expectation. So I think it should be obviously everybody's expectation. Yeah, I think that's right. Is yeah, that's usually like the teams have like a notch above kind of idea of like what success is for their season, right? Like a team that's a playoff team thinks that oh, what if we made the conference finals or whatever. Like there's always a little bit more optimism, yeah, in that locker room. And yeah, for the Wolves, it's it's all lined up so far and yeah, they're in a good position to, yeah, they're, they, they have themselves right where they need to be. Um, but yeah, that injury part is going to be big. That's going to, that always, you know, dep- that always tells you who's going to, you know, be in what spot even, you know, that's how things shake out is, mm-hmm. you know, where the injuries come from. And yeah, I think Bev is, is the one you got to be careful on here. He's, you know, already missed um, a number of games due to the groin mm-hmm. and stuff. So I think they are pretty cautious with him. You know, we just saw him miss a few games yeah. on this road trip. And, you know, I, he, you know, if it was a playoff game, he probably would have played. But it's a, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So I think they're kind of 
they they understand what they have with him. He's even before, he you know he's a guy that averages sixty games a year, right? He's never been the most uh, the most healthy player. So yeah, avoiding injuries. I think injuries he's, would be I think big. he's already passed his minute total for last year, last <laughs> <laughs> season. Yeah, I mean, if you look yeah. at his career, it's it's like he's gonna miss twenty games that's or right. so. And that's just kind of what that's the trade off, and that's something the Timberwolves are gonna have to ask themselves when his contract comes around after yeah. the season, and he wants you know twenty to thirty million dollars over two years. So. But I think another thing I just want to say is like the ceiling on this team feels a lot higher than I than I felt it was like two or three months ago. Yeah, and that's that feels good to say because I think you look at a guy like, all right, ask yourself what did you think of Jared Vanderbilt in the preseason, and what do you think now, and how do you envision him now? Because now I'm seeing on Twitter people saying I wouldn't trade Vando for Miles Turner, yeah, because Vando's on a yeah, four million dollar deal, yeah, and he's <laughs> a huge. Uh, I mean, he's a huge part of the success they're seeing yeah. on the defensive end. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so the ceiling is higher. Even Jalen Noel, I look at now where now where people are saying, oh, he's like he's going to win sixth man of the year in a couple years. I mean, no one was saying that about Jalen Noel in September, so. Which That's is why maybe, exciting. They, maybe they can withstand these injuries, you know? Like, if it does happen, it's like they kind of, every team got a taste of this with the, you know, with December being, you know, what it was with Omicron. But, you know, I think there's a little bit more, um, you know, confidence for the Wolves uh, as far as their bench goes and as far as the backup guys go because they did have this time. You know, again, they lost a bunch of those games, but you saw some decent performances from, from some bigs. And, that and might be Jaylen. a good segue into our next topic, which is who is the first half MVP? Because, Ooh. like you said, we can sustain some injuries but not to key guys certain positions i don't i don't think yeah. we can go without cat because we just don't have any other bigs yeah. and i delo like you said we're like two and eight without delo mm. he's it just i think it's been improbable how good delo has been like he coming into the season we all thought we knew the player delo was which is you're gonna get nothing on defense just a sieve you know yeah, or yeah. sieve i don't know which way it is yeah. but like we just he was so bad on defense we were like how could we ever have a winning team with him on the floor we're gonna have to outscore teams by 20 points you know to to have this work out and he's been so good net rating wise on defense I know I mean what a great thing Rosas did for him what a great present for D'Lo getting Pat Bevin here because now instead of guarding the hardest guard you know guarding the other team's uh, point guard or whatever D'Lo gets to play like free safety and just yell out coverage schemes and stuff he's been a great communicator and I think it's just allowed him to be good and have a net rating a positive net rating on defense which is something I never thought we'd say about D'Lo so I think that's kind of why D'Lo has been so instrumental and why we lose without him yeah I think it's a a great point um when I reflect back on last season just like you were saying I mean his defense it truly was miserable he was totally lost off ball in the breakdowns just constantly were a, a part of what he was doing and now you're seeing this captain on the defensive end he's calling out everything you hear him you can I, hear him i think him it was how empty game. new orleans was in that in that previous game but i could hear him so much um you know again it's it's usually the backline guys cuz they can see everything who call but he's calling it from the front of that kind of stuff and it's pretty impressive cuz he's he's calling it out to everybody so that's the, that's cool too because it's like it's also the misconception that oh the person that's talking the most is probably the best defender it's like he's not 
He's just being average, but that is like something he's bringing to the floor. Is like you for don't sure. have to be just the best guy if you're talking. Just talk. Like you should. Everyone should be doing that. And yeah, we've been doing this podcast for like six or seven years, and there's only been one season where I can remember our defense talking. Like it's just something the Wolves don't do. So, yeah, yeah. Like just to see people bought into the extent where they're talking. Like that was the thing about the Wolves in previous seasons. We're always bad at defense, but you could tell we didn't even buy in or try because no one was talking to each other on defense. It was just like yeah. this is a terrible sign for chemistry. So. Uh, at the very least, I think that's a highly encouraging sign when you see that happen. Yeah, so to answer the question, like, who's the MVP of this first half? I mean, I think it's obviously Carl is the most valuable player. He's he's yeah. the best. He's playing the best basketball. But if a different question is kind of what we're talking to is, like, who's the most impactful to these wins? And I think you might have to say D'Angelo Russell, just with his defensive improvement and... And the record, just like it shows. The, the record, record shows that in the five man, you know, legit. the Wolves death lineup. I yeah. think we need to figure out a good name for the five man lineup <laughs> because the lineup of death was the, yeah. the Warriors. But right. I don't know what this one is. But yeah. the starting lineup is so successful. And uh, D'Lo, he he ties it all together. And um, I've been really impressed with um, just everything he's done this year, honestly. I yeah. mean, he's playing much more towards that max level player that we we expected and so that's that's been a great thing. So I'd say maybe he's the most impactful. Yeah, that's right. I, th- I think that's that's certainly borne out. And yeah, and the plus minus and the, you know, the win and loss and stuff like that. But you know, I think Carl for sure. I mean, obviously he's the best player on the team. We know that. That's nothing new. But you know, that was another thing. He was out for a long time with the with the COVID illness and uh, maybe had one other you know brief absence for a small injury or whatever. I think he had like the back thing or the tailbone or whatever it was. But you know. You can. It's just such a different thing, and he's kind of. I don't know if it's quietly having a great season because I don't know if it's like you know it's more. We're more into. We're more surprised by Beverly and Vando and the defense and some of the other things. You know, some of the limelight has taken away from Towns in a good way because it's been oh the team is successful in all these other ways. So that's good, but he's still going to be the lone all-star on this team he's still putting up crazy numbers he's still an amazing shooter and um you know kind of doing everything you'd want him to do so uh, he's definitely been overshadowed yeah, yeah just because yeah, yeah. he he has been consistent he's pretty much the same cat he's always been you yeah. know you know i like the changes in defense i think have really helped him out obviously yeah, he drop, is better drop coverage was just always a bad not fit meant for, for towns at all so i think that that alone has already made him look way better on that end of the ball but for the most part he's the same old cat and so like yeah it's, it's clear that we're going to focus on the bright shiny new thing look at pat bev look at what vando's doing look how d'angelo russell's playing in ways we've never seen him before but you're right the, the silent star has been cat, you know? <laughs> yeah like, yeah the silent star yeah so um, while we're talking about the first half of this season, what are some like moments or games that have like stood out to you guys? Well, I just want to shout out one thing real quick before oh, sure. we move on from MVPs because I think we're in agreement here. We've kind of talked about the right things. Cat is the MVP, but shout out to Delos, you know, and shout out to Pep, but also shout out to Vando. Mm-hmm. Vando's been, you know, he's not because the thing is like. Cat, you know, he does what he does to get us in games, but I feel like what Vanner does is the stuff that pushes us over the top. Like when he started being entered in the starting lineup was when we started winning as a team. And I just think that like in in some ways Vando is kind of the the face of this team just in the, that his the his, the way he plays is the way his this style. team plays yeah, his like style. he lives on turnovers he lives on creating turnovers he lives on offensive rebounding and that is how our team scores we live on points off turnovers we live off offensive rebounding so besides the three point shooting like Vando is kind of like the the representative of how this team plays i think he's like the most impactful i think he's 1a 1b yeah i was like, going to say right there yeah. cuz it's like all also in the COVID absence, it's like, 
oh, like he made the most difference on the floor when he comes back. Just from like watching the game and seeing like mm-hmm. players move, like his activity is so noticeable. No and again, like what Scott said, the, the team hangs their hats on, on the turnovers and the activity and stuff. So uh, those two players, I think, you know, you you feel it the most when they're yeah. Gone. Vando's energy is really infectious, as is Pat Bev's, but it really starts with those two guys, and then it bleeds throughout the rest of the roster. So yeah, shout out to Vando. He's the one, Jack. He's the one. Vando's just eating glass right now. Coming into the season, he was off the bench. We weren't expecting anything. I wasn't expecting anything from Vando. I know he's kind of like the smart like NBA bloggers, the Timberwolves bloggers have been like kind of like, oh, there's something here for a while. I know that people have been saying that, but I did not expect this out of Vando. I actually I actually went back and, and uh, read an article I wrote last season about installing Chris Finch, and I, I had a paragraph in it that said uh, something to the degree of like, if Finch is to succeed, I think he really needs to make a true commitment to Jared Vanderbilt <laughs> at the four just to see. Because how long have we talked about having a, a legitimate power forward next to Carl. And now you got this 22-year-old guy that is an offensive rebounding machine and totally boosts your defense up with all of his stocks and his swag. And um, <laughs> it's just, it's it's really, yeah. So like first half moments, uh, it's been really fun. Since we're talking about him, he had what, 20, 21 points and yeah, 20 rebounds? Night, 19, 19 rebounds? 19, 19 rebounds, rebounds career yeah, high. Yeah. Both points and rebounds, same game in his hometown of Houston. I felt so good for him. That and he really leads cool. the Wolves with 54 dunks. <laughs> yeah, he set, he set uh, was it a season high or a franchise high with like eight dunks in a wow. game uh, in the Houston? So, yeah, and also, like, also, I mean, we've talked about it to start off the pod. We're all Ricky guys here. One of us has a dog named Rubio. And, you know, that was tough when we traded him. But when you realize we did that trade to create enough cap space to sign Vando, it makes it go down a little easier. Like, sure. okay. It's kind of like how, I, like, it doesn't make up for us getting rid of R- Ricky the first time, but that pick we got back turned into Okogi. So it, it takes the edge off just a little bit, you know? Yeah. And the reality of the situation was that Ricky and D'Angelo were not on the same page no. for uh, most of last season. I don't think they vibed and their chemistry I don't think was good. So you, you're you going to go with D'Angelo because he's on the max contract. So Yep. And so now we get Vando and we still got Pat Bevin. So it all worked out. It yeah. all worked out. So there's, I mean, a lot of good moments, obviously, you know, for the, this year that's been so, you know, surprisingly positive and, you know, the team being relevant <laughs> just at this point in the season and stuff, just lots of fun stuff. I mean, there's, you know, individual plays and, and different things we could talk about or probably the ant quotes and things like that. But I think I'll start by saying my favorite moment so far and it helped that I was at the game would be the recent December 17th game against the Lakers um, where the Wolves took it to the Lakers at home. I mean, I talked about it on here afterwards. It was just like there's nothing like beating the Lakers at Target yeah. Center when the arena's full of <laughs> L.A. fans. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it was fans. on national TV and yeah. just to take it to them, beat them by 18 points. And I thought that was like that. that's a really good game to point to because it did feel like a kind of a pivot point where it's like, all right. Like we can have the target center booming, and this team can really take it to. And uh, you it know, was healthy in that game too. You know, he played half the game and stuff. So, and know. the Lakers are struggling this year, but it's yeah. still great to watch the Wolves. You know, I always enjoy watching us beat the Lakers because they don't have any lakes in in LA. It doesn't <laughs> even make any sense. So, so that's probably one. Of, that's probably my favorite. Win. How about the win? The OT thriller uh, win in Philly. Double thought, OT. Double OT. Oh, I thought that game was yeah. that Cat game was, was amazing. Cat fouled out at the end of the fourth, and D'Lo just carried us through the last two that's overtimes right. by himself, pretty much. I mean, Ann had some good plays too, but it was a real D'Lo show. Mm-hmm. I, I uh, that game was awesome. I really enjoyed. Um, 
the game we we beat the Heat. What was the we beat him by twelve, one thirteen, one oh one and and um he had that moment where with, with Jimmy where he's like, I'm not afraid of you. Oh yeah. And he had he's an like, incredible game. Nobody fights in this league. He's I know. like, You're gonna act tough, no one fights. That was the Rachel Nichols game, the Rachel Nichols chant game. That was uh, fun. Yeah, no, I love that too, because it was just like a great hero and villain moment because like Jimmy was obviously the villain here, but he was even being like he was uh, barking at people sitting talking, courtside. Yeah, and it was like man, really, you know, embracing the villain role in this game. And then Ant was just playing the hero role. Like when we got up big, he was like pumping up the crowd. He did the thing where he shoved Jimmy when Jimmy took the ball from him, just completely unfazed by Jimmy's whole personality and antics that he just has to pull out all the time. So I think that was just like. You know, is this your king kind of moment for? Uh, yeah, for Ant had Anthony thirty-three Edwards. points, fourteen boards, six assists, and four stocks that game. So yeah, along the lines of he dominated the game, and he just made a little statement to Jimmy, which I thought was uh, therapeutic. I also, <laughs> beating the Nuggets in Denver with ten three-pointers from Ant that was pretty fun. Ooh. It was pretty fun. That's probably the stat of this season so far. Probably. Ant, Ant 10 threes is probably like the best stat. And also, I one game I'll always remember for, at the end of the season is that Boston Celtics game where we had Greg Monroe and Nate Knight. Nate Knight double-double night, you know? <laughs> yeah. Nate Knight night. We had to have Nate Knight. That's right. And so like that game, just like how decimated we were and that we we took it and just played hard against the Celtics and got that game. That's going to be. A, yeah, I think I tweeted it. That was one of my the most fun games I've covered because it was just like a, unexpected. Yeah, and, a bunch of guys out there, but they played so hard. And yeah, you got Greg Welcome Monroe. Welcome back to the league. You've been out of the yeah. league for three seasons. Welcome back, Greg Monroe. Go yeah. beat the Celtics tonight. He took two flights just to get here at like four o'clock. He took a little hour yeah. nap and then he comes out and I'm happy for him. He got a, another uh, deal with the Washington yeah. Wizards, so good for him. But uh-huh. that game was fun. It had the Chris Johnson vibes um, of old. <laughs> you know, I think he was getting MVP. MVP. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Chris Johnson. Yeah, and Jalen had a great game there too. I mean, yeah. that was was that a season high or career high up to that point? I think it he was passed it after. Yeah, it was that, twenty eight or twenty nine points, and he was he really was really good. thrilled afterwards. His mom yeah. was at the game, so that was oh, wow. that was good for him. And he had that huge monster dunk um, mm-hmm. over Jabari Parker, who I That's forgot right. was even on the Celtics That's before right. the, the yeah. game started. Oh, yeah, one of the few other uh, two ACL guys uh, like like Ricky. There you go. All right, we uh, we're going to talk about what comes next uh, for the Timberwolves as far as uh, you know the rest of the season goes. But we have a sponsor to uh, tell you all about. We're very excited about our sponsor today. This season of Minnesota Timberwolves basketball has been nothing short of impressive. The roster is full of likable guys who play hard and win in surprising ways. To top it all off, the players actually enjoy each other's company. Morale is high. If you've been a fan of the team for any period of time, you know that this level of competence, joy, and winning is nearly unprecedented. In fact, it's so unlikely that you may not believe it is real. If you find yourself in this group of non-believers, you'll want to check out Finch Pinch. In partnership with Timberwolves head coach and savior Chris Finch, Finch Pinch is designed to help fans deal with the surprising reality of a successful basketball team. The process is easy. Simply book a session with Chris Finch and he will arrive at your front door. After delivering a surprising fact about how good the Timberwolves are, Finch will proceed to pinch you. You'll be filled with euphoria as the pressure between Coach Finch's thumb and pointer finger transports you back to reality where your favorite team is actually good. Skeptical? Don't be. Here's an example of Finch administering a perfect pinch. Wow, it's Chris Finch. The Timberwolves are number one in the NBA in forcing turnovers. Whoa. Ouch. 
Oh, wow. It's real. You're welcome. So the next time this wolf season seems a little fantastical and a little too good to be true, check out Finch Pinch and get a dose of reality from Coach. Thank you to Finch Pinch for their support of Wolf's Cast. All right, let's talk about the future, future, future. You know what we should talk about? I was thinking today, all the best Timberwolves players are really easy to represent with emojis. Oh. Like, you know, cat. Best of all time or best on the team now? Just of all time. Like, you got the ticket, you know, big ticket we're talking about. You could have the ticket emoji Mm -hmm. for Kevin Love. You just put a little heart. Cat, you put the cat. Ant, you put the ant, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it works out. Yeah, we go with the nicknames, and you and you get to, you get to a lot of them. Vando is, uh, now he does it. Go look at his Twitter. He just does the battery. Oh. Nice. I like that. Because he's, he's just the battery. It's like in half of his tweets. Yep, and the energy. Um, yeah, that's good. There's a lot of good ones. We just have D-Low, to... you can put a little ice cube. Yeah, or the, I guess I'd go with the syringe, you know? Oh, ice yeah, absolutely. Yep. Chris Finch, you just do a bird. Just a little bird. Just a little bird right there. Easy enough. That's a uh, funny meme. It says on uh, the Timberwolves Reddit, people just both say, you just got beat by a bird. (laughs) I love that. Cats, birds, and ants. That's his team. Uh, Good times. All right. Well, let's look forward and see. uh, You know, we already talked about, you know, how expectations have, have changed for the better. The ceiling is raised. You know, it's not it's not enough uh, now to, you know, be outside of the playoff picture. We're in it. And, um, you know, again, the ceiling is, has been changed because now we're saying it could be a six seed potentially. Right. Anywhere between six and eleven is is or no, ten. <laughs> ten. Yeah, <laughs> that's where you get to. Eleven is out. Ten is in. So I don't know what uh, what do we hope to see here in the second half? You guys, obviously, we want um, all the, the good things that have happened in the first half to continue. But uh, do we think that'll actually happen? You know, we talked about the regression on the defense and stuff like that. But what other maybe specific changes do we hope to see um, as far as the team maybe even getting better? I mean, because it's a good thing to be twenty and twenty one, and some of the stats are great, but that doesn't mean everything is great, right? What what can, what, what needs to change? Well, I think one thing that you know is different because it's not a change is what I want to see continue because mm. it's easy to say, uh, yeah, this player shooting below their number, we hope he goes up to that number, or this player, you know, yeah, regresses in some yeah, ways, regression. but. I just I don't think we talked enough about like the quiet jump Ant has made from year one to year two, where it's not like a huge leap in anything, but he's better at every single part of his game except one. Because well, we, we looked at a few weeks ago, it's kind of similar, right? Like, it's pretty, you know, a lot of the stats is kind of like, especially if we look at the second half of last year as compared to the first half of this year. I don't know if it was Dane or someone that posted it, but you know, the, there's some ways you can look at it. It's like a lot of the counting stats are the same. But go on, Scott. He's better. Um, just in, in er- a few ways. every single stat, he's better. The only thing he has regressed in is free throw rate. So the refs are letting him go to the line less than when he was a rookie he's getting the rookie whistle oh. everything else he's improved his game in and he's just done i just feel like you know in the second half of last season yeah he was on fire but i didn't know if it was sustainable and just like seeing him increase all of his offensive stats while also just you know being really good on defense this yeah season. more I, solid I, yeah and i i you know he's probably the flakiest of our major players on defense in terms of just like focus but like the energy and, and the growth he's shown on defense has really blown my mind and i and for a guy we were so hot on for to see him be better in almost everything this season i thought was we should it should deserves recognition i hope that he can keep it up and that it's for real well and with D'Lo as far as defense goes it's like he's kind of the opposite where he doesn't have the body 
Uh, he's smaller. He's thin. You know, he's got long arms. That's good. But yep. he doesn't necessarily have that. Whereas for Ant, it's it, yeah, it's focus and stuff. And he does have the physical tools to to check just about anybody and stuff. So he's still growing in that area. He's got a long way to go. But you kind of can count on him a little bit more because he has the physical side when the mental and and um, you know sort of recognition part does kick in and hopefully eventually for sure. I think I'm just looking for a little bit more consistency. Yeah, it seems like. Like I said I before, it's, you can see like the two different versions of the Wolves within a quarter, within a, a half, and within a game, and they kind of ebb and flow between bad vibe Wolves, good vibe Wolves. So mm-hmm. I just like to see more consistency instead of let's lose four in a row, then let's win four in a row. That's what I was going to say. You can break down the like streaks, this very streaky win-loss record this season. <laughs> no question. And yeah, like Scott, that's a good point. We can we can really easily just say, oh, Malik Beasley needs to shoot 40% in this back half, and that you know gives the bench a, a bump. Uh, same with Prince. But, you know, it's, it's not as... I don't think as simple as just saying, oh, they make more threes. Oh, they get more free throws. I think it's just as a team, top to bottom. And you made a good point, Neil. I think COVID, that little stretch, I think it actually did make the team a little bit better in the long run. And Finch has alluded to it. But, like, guys got their confidence yep. that that needed confidence. Even Jaden McDaniels is playing a lot a lot better. He had a – I can't remember what game it was, but he was absolutely outstanding. Oh, it's against the Knicks. He totally shut down Julius Randle. Randle. And he had, like, 18 points on, like, awesome I think he had, shooting. like, seven assists and, like, yeah, he was, rebounds. Yeah, he, he was really, really good. good. And, and then it was, like, that instant – that moment where you're, like – Gosh, if if McDaniel's gets closer to that kind of output yeah. on this back half, then you take another jump. So, yeah, I think we huge. got some got some guys' confidence up at at the right time. So hopefully, down the stretch, we're going to be locked in even more. Yeah, and you know, seeing you know confidence, it's like all these guys have confidence to some level, but you know, because they're in the NBA and you know it's so rare. But to actually then do it on an NBA court, like I feel like takes you up even more. Where it's like, oh, I. Not only do I believe I can do this, I did it three weeks ago, and I like I, I did it, like I remember it, you know. So I think that's huge. But yeah, the second half, you know, I, again, we just want we need to hope that this defense can can continue to be what it is because I just think that is what has made everything possible for the Wolves this year and be able to win some of these games, um, you know, with, hang their head on their defense. So. Yeah, more of that, and um, yeah, we want to see health. We want to see. Uh, yeah, you, know. you got to cross your fingers with Pat Bev. I mean, yeah. he has been in and out, but I think that's really good. It shows that we've been not taking any risks with him. Oh, you, your groin feels a little tight. Why don't you just sit out the next two games? And mm-hmm. that's what you kind of have to do to manage his health throughout the season. But we've been very lucky in the sense that, like, Pat Bev is a guy who can easily get an injury and miss thirty games, and then what does that do to our defense? You know, so uh, definitely, you know, knock on wood for uh, Pat Bev's health. But and, yeah, I want to see the. I, I want to see the half court offense like find a, a good stretch and yep. just find their way because it's been so so poor this season and I think ultimately you know making the playoffs and making any sort of noise in the first round not just getting swept it's going to really come down to hmm. that half court offense and hopefully they can figure that out I'm sure I hope Finch has something he's I mean he, it's kind of interesting to think that he was you know labeled as an offensive mastermind mm-hmm. And we heard about all these ways, you know, Pat Carl's going to get all these elbow touches and pick and roll, pick and pop. And I think he uses Carl in a lot of creative ways, but we need to get it together, at, you know, 
in that half court set. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I think coming into this season, we were focused on the offensive lineups and we were talking about how bad D'Lo was on defense in the past. It was like those backcourts where you'd start Malik and D'Lo, just like <laughs> how bad that would be. But the offense was good because that is the kind of thing that we we miss with uh, how good Vando and stuff has been is that we always have a, a non-offensive player on the floor at any given time. I mean, Pat Bev brings enough on offense that he could be considered a two-way guy and Vando is getting better at offense, but when he's out there, there's still a guy that is a non-shooter, you know, and then Jaden's basically a non-shooter with the way he's been performing this season. Okogi is a total non-factor on offense. So I think that that's kind of like, I didn't anticipate that we would go through the season where we're like, no matter what lineup is out there, it's essentially like always one person who can't play offense. Yeah. It turned out that, uh, that was, that was the best way forward. <laughs> and this team that was supposed to be, Oh yeah. Shooters all around. Carl is like, actually, no, we're going to have... see Finch yeah. making adjustments. Like Jo's yeah. not playing and Jalen Noel is playing. Cause we're, he's trying to find more offense in this lineup. Yeah. And you know, they're getting, they're getting to it. I mean, you know, whether it's, uh, whether it's poor Vando standing in the corner, attempting those air ball three, that's been tough I think he's like two for ten on the season or something but you know so that's probably not the answer but you know just in the last few weeks we're seeing him you know have a little a few more points a few more extra little ways you know, it's all mostly put back still but you know he's getting a few more shots he just needs to he's you so know. good in transition too yeah like, they just need to emphasize that it's yeah. like Vando get the board and he and can, he just he can get out and run yeah and I really like that element of his game because we're sixth in pace and he's a big part of that because he really pushes uh very well yeah, and that's—I mean, Jo always does that too. But he just—it's always a Corey Brewer misadventure around the rim when he gets down there. Vando has a lot more confidence in his finishing at the rim ability. Yeah, I don't, I don't want Vando to take too many dribbles, but he can—he can, he can uh, put the ball in the hoop a little bit better than Okoki and uh, Corey Brewer, I guess. Um, what about changes that we see? I mean, we we talked about what we you know hope is a little bit different. That's kind of the same thing. But what about roster wise? You know, like. Do we expect any changes in the current roster as far as like lineup goes, as far as playing time goes? And then beyond that, you know, do we expect any sort of, I guess I would say a significant trade at the trade deadline? Because, you know, we're still a month out. We'll talk a lot about the more specifics of who might be available and that kind of stuff as, you know, in future episodes here as we get closer. But uh, if you, other than that, I mean, because uh, I think like a significant piece means, you know, bringing in Ben Simmons, Miles Turner, um, you know, PJ Washington, one of these bigs. If you follow the tea leaves, apparently the Wolves are sniffing around for a for a power forward, someone to put next to Towns. But it's interesting we, now because we learned today Cam Reddish only costed a protected first round pick that's pretty right. much if you yeah. wanted to get Cam Reddish on your team. You go back to Atlanta, maybe John Collins is available. That's that's a thing. Yeah. Apparently, yeah, apparently I think getting rid of Reddish is kind of like recognizing that they have to fit Collins's yeah. salary. But he could be moved. They have a lot of guys, so that they have the flexibility to move on from him if they want. But the question is, should the Wolves or will the Wolves make a bigger move in order to I don't know. In order to shore up in that power forward spot, I think for Wolves fans, though, we're mostly like, Vando's it. We just got done saying how fun it is to watch him, how much he, he you know, just improves the team and, and matters to the team. So, but there's another idea of like, well, the ceiling could be even higher if this is, if Vando's like a guy coming off the bench. What do you guys think? Like, would you want to rock the boat and bring in someone like Miles Turner? I think a specifically Miles Turner is this fascinating question because he plays the same position. You know, someone you the idea would play him next to Towns is another big. Like, what do you guys think about that? Do you would would you like to see that happen? Say it's a fair a fair deal for the Wolves, or would you like them to be more conservative and be like, don't mess up what you have right now? I tech. I think I want to 
continue on with what we have, just because I I I I don't think I I I I I hard. I, hard. I I don't think uh, you. stammering. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that we're going to get rid of like in terms of substantial trades. I don't think we're going to get rid of D'Lo and Cat. You know, so I I think any substantial trade would have to include our first It'd round pick. A, yeah, it'd be mortgaging the future. Yeah, it'd, it'd be, be mortgaging the future yeah, a little bit. And McDaniel's in a pick or something. I just think that the chemistry is really good, and it seems like yeah. we're all growing as a group together. And I would hate and just because it seems like a non-significant like part of this success has been the chemistry, you know, or a significant part of this success is due to the chemistry. So yeah. don't if overlook if that. If you're going to bring saying, in some, yeah. yeah, if you're going to bring in someone who's going to be taking 25, 30 minutes a game, like Ty- Turner or PJ Washington or someone that could really, you know, rock the boat. So I kind of think that there's nothing that we need that we can't access through some guys like Beasley playing better, Jaden playing better. I mean, maybe there is an argument for that, that missing front court piece. But like I said earlier in the season, do we know if the Wolves even want that missing front court piece? Because it seems like they're very intentional about not getting it over the past couple of years. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think the Wolves, they, I think they should stand pat. I just think, mm-hmm. like you said, the chemistry seems awesome. Seems like it's the best it's been for a very long time. And D'Lo said it the other night, like they genuinely like each other. Like he forgets he's playing basketball sometimes because he's just with his homies. And yep. I love that. And and you can even see just the way they interact. And Ant is such a fun guy. And Vando's so fun. It's like, I almost think a trade, you, you throw in a big trade like for a Miles Turner, like that that does not go as smooth as people think. Also, can we just say that Miles Turner is a horrible rebounder? Why does no <laughs> one ever want to comment on that? Yeah, he is um, for his size. So yeah. th- we're 27th in defensive rebounding, I think. So you would like to be worse? <laughs> Um, we're third in offensive rebounding because more and Towns, but I, I hope they stand pat, and I kind of feel like they will just because if you know, just being around the team, it just doesn't seem like they that's what they need right now. It could be de- more detrimental mm-hmm. um, to do a trade like that. And, and honestly, like if you're the GM, do you really want to be the guy that trades like Jaden McDaniels before he becomes a two way superstar like star? Or yeah. do you want to be the guy that trades Vando when he's showing displaying After this, this year, at age yeah. twenty two, making four million dollars? <laughs> it's just a lot of these uh these deals that I guess are hypothetical, I mean, they don't always make sense to me. Of course Miles Turner's a great player, so you have to think about it, but the Pacers didn't play him and Savonis together. Yeah, so, that's their problem is they have that same thing. So it's not even a it's not even a sure thing that him and Towns would be good together. And he's more of like that drop coverage center rim protector and we'll, we'll be moving Carl to the four if we got him. Yeah. Right. Right. I think because he's so good around. Uh, yeah, you Turner's need to keep so good him. at the rim. Yes. So yeah, I think you know. There, I think we're pretty much agreed that we don't expect a big one. But I, I wouldn't be surprised to see us moving Prince's expiring contract to bring in a guy who would be the eighth or ninth man in our rotation. Maybe that could happen. Yeah. Yeah. Gupta could get creative with some deals. I mean, you could see him, you know, trade Jake Lehman for a second round pick if some team really was starving for another wing yeah. body. You that could stuff see just doesn't move the needle. That it much, it, yeah. it really doesn't. And then yeah. like. I actually I just see a lot of these trades as just more harmful than beneficial because mm-hmm. then like you let's let's yeah everyone talks about Miles Turner well then you got to switch your whole defense up we just spent how long talking about this improved defense that is totally based on flying around switching everything and like the whole team is protecting the rim it's not yeah. just Carl stand under the rim like in years past so I don't really like throwing a, a huge uh, variable in midseason when the chemistry seems so good and we're just waiting for an offensive explosion to go to that next level. Yeah, I think with everything that's happened in the last like four months, I would say it's gotten like starting with Rosas being removed 
and then with the team like playing better and then like the emergence of Vando, I think like the idea of that big move just keeps getting lower and lower and lower. Like you're right. I think Gupta isn't, I don't even know if you'd make that job if you'd make that trade if this was his job already, but he's kind of in an interim, you know, it's not officially interim, but it's a one year deal essentially. And he's going to have to interview again at the end of this year. So I think that's a risky move for him professionally. And then, yeah, it's, what you have here is too good. It would have been different if the team had, if this Vando thing had not come out. And then it's like, okay, then you're still in this boat where it's like, we have to find a power forward just to get into the playoff play-in mix or whatever. But they're not there. Like we said, they're above, they're ahead of schedule a little bit as far as the season goes. They're above average. They are doing these things that already have them in that position to reach their goals for this year without that kind of move. So unless there's some, you know, the nice thing about Turner though is he has like three or two more years on his, on this thing. So I definitely don't want them to, make a move for some expiring contract to help their short-term stuff. But, you know, maybe there's something out there where you can get a guy who really does move the needle and you have him for a number of years. So it's not just about this year. It is sort of a longer-term thing. But And if you're Gupta, you don't want to, like you said, maybe not try like a home run swing on your interim tag. Yeah. But I think in your job interview, it would be nice if you had something to point to. That's so right. it's not like, I did nothing all season. So mm-hmm. if he can find a way to turn two nickels into a dime, I think he'll do it. But I don't think there's going to He signed be Greg Monroe to a 10-day contract. And we got to hey, win. That's right. There you go. He picked him. But yeah, you're right. I mean, he's Gupta's in that kind of tough position where, it, you know, he doesn't want to do something crazy to get fired. But also, he could. You know, he needs a signature move as well. So, I, I bet he's. I bet he's looking around, and I think that we'll be active on phone calls. But ultimately, I. I would. I think we should just run it. Run it through this season and and see see what happens and if we want to make a huge move in the off season let's say we make a playing game we lose let's say we don't make the playoffs i i would wait till the off season to make that huge monster move yeah i, I think we're kind of in agreement and i think most wolves fans at this point like wolves fans don't know we don't we're not used to this so it's like we of course we don't want to do this we do not want to move anything at this point don't we're having touch fun it. Well, we're having it kinda, fun touch it, it. it kind of goes working. towards my superstitious <laughs> mysticism attitude towards the defense where it's yeah. like if I breathe on this team, Ron, the, whatever magic is keeping this defense working, it might fall apart. So I, I, I don't even want to change like the, the jerseys we're wearing or anything like that. In terms of like, I'm afraid that this is a house of cards, and removing one will make it collapse. You know? Yeah. Well, uh, that's that's yeah. We're too scared as Wolves fans. We we, we don't uh, we don't think that uh, yeah. It's not like we think oh we're one little not a little move we're one move away from uh, being a home court advantage team. It's like no we're we 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 uh, we have an idea of where and there's this no is going. like obvious move there's not like our team needs this so clearly and there's this great player on the market that it's an obvious fit and it's just you know with the nature of the trade deadline right now almost all the teams are still going for it there's only like five tanking yeah. teams in the league right now so i think that like you know the the pool of teams that will trade you stuff is is probably different than yep. previous not many sellers as there used to be um all right finally before we uh stop talking about uh, you know where we think this is going let's talk about the playoff picture where do we think the Wolves are gonna are gonna land in this mix right now? They are ninth in the West at twenty and twenty one, but uh, you know they are they're within one game of the sixth seed. Um, you know, so it's a, it's a big clump of teams. Denver is the sixth seed right now, uh, twenty and nineteen. The Clippers are twenty one and twenty one. Lakers are twenty one and twenty one. Wolves are twenty and twenty one. And then there's a cliff after that, right? A little bit of a cliff between the number nine Wolves and the number ten Trailblazers right now. So, do we think that the that the Wolves can move up into that seven and eight uh, spot here, or even higher?
there. Could they could they potentially, uh, you know, usurp the the Mavericks or the Nuggets to be the five or the six? I think the top four is pretty set, you know, and then maybe there's a stratification between, you know, five and six. But yeah, the thing know. is, uh, one, I feel very confident the nine is the floor, I, especially with Damian Lillard out for. The indefinite future, you know, (laughs) with the surgery. I just feel like the teams behind us, which for listeners at home are the Trailblazers, the Canes, the Spurs, the Pelicans, the Thunder, the Rockets. I think the Wolves are clearly better than all those teams. Really only the Blazers. uh, You could see them coming. But that is, like, to your point, even that's a a long shot. It feels like kind of a lost season for them. So I think that, you know, in terms of who we could leapfrog into that, I think, you know, the Clippers and the Lakers are just kind of an experiment to see with health and what that's happening. I mean, the Clippers. Paul George could be out for a long, long time that's right so the Clippers have been pretty much decimated already the Lakers I feel like with LeBron you got to hope or figure that he's going to find a way to you know at least have a 500 record or better so that might be a little harder to see them completely collapse but obviously the thing is they've been kind of a tire fire all season and they're still 500 but they're getting Davis back in a few right so I, I would expect the Lakers actually to be pretty good but like I don't have a lot of confidence in Dallas or Denver. I, I think Denver's obviously a good team, just decimated by injuries. And I feel like Dallas has been really they're uneven. getting it together. They're seven and three in their last ten. They're figuring it out. But yeah, to, to your point, they're not one of the top four teams. So yeah, I, I could see. Like I said, I think there's a pathway there that we could get as high as six, but that would probably be my ceiling. But I don't think we can fall lower than ninth. Where do you predict? If you had to say right now, where will they end? Uh, I'll say they end eighth. Eighth. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to say. I, I think eighth, but get that, up one more spot to eighth. That that would not be great because um, <laughs> I think that could be a sweep by the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. If you well, make no, it, if I you mean, oh well, yeah, that is if we finish. But first, we would have to play in a playing game against like the Lakers or you know something oh, like that. But assuming we win that playoff game, yeah, it could be a sweep to the Suns. But but yeah, I'm not. I'm really not convinced. Like Dallas is playing Luca's back and they're seven and three, but I'm not convinced they're. They're a lock for a yeah. for that number five. No, I could see them slipping in the standings. They, yeah. um, especially if Doncic experiences any sort of injury that if he misses two or three weeks, I, I just that team I don't believe them very much. Um, Denver, like you said, they're just there's so many injuries, but at the end of the day, they're going to be right there. Yeah, so, I think the Wolves. Have, I think seventh or eighth. The Wolves have as good of a chance as anyone to get six. Like six is wide open to me at this point. Um, but you know, between Denver, LA, both LA teams in Minnesota, like those are the four for six, potentially Dallas, you know, if they slide, but I think any of those teams, they have, you could see it happening because all the other teams have injuries or whatever. So the wolves are maybe like the least talented of all those teams, but, um, I don't know. Uh, they can definitely do it. So that's kind of where we see it going. And yeah, I'll say, I'm uh, guessing I'll the say number one well. seed. I'm guessing the number one seed will be the warriors now that they have clay back. So wouldn't that be fun? Andrew Wiggins playoff series against the Timberwolves Let's go. first round. Let's do it. That'd, That'd be, great. be lots of fun. Well, uh, speaking of lots of fun, it's game time, Scott. Let's get it going. We have uh, talked enough about uh, the past and the future of where this season is going, but uh, we got to play a game. What do you got for us? Well, this is a pod about the first half of the season, so I thought we'd do a little trivia about the first half of the season. Um, I don't think I need you guys to take out pen and paper because I trust you. You know, I think you both have integrity that you're not going to change your answers. I've heard one another's answers. Mm -hmm. So these are John just, brought paper though. Look at this. Yeah, he, he's ready. Composition you know? he came, notebook. He came with notes, you know. So yeah, yeah. notes on paper. paper you know? notes, I, come, yeah. I come with notes, but so I just bring a laptop. Analog notes. All yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. So let's get it started. Uh, the Wolves have won 20 games this season. How many times have the Timberwolves failed to win 20 games in a season in franchise history? Wow, less than 20. But uh, okay, so not 20. Yeah. Less than. 20. We've already won 20 games. How many times have the Wolves failed to win 20 games in a season? Okay, and they started the first season in 89-90, so we're talking yeah. 30, 30 years, right? Yeah. 
talking about. This is a tough years. one. I know I've covered. Or I know yeah. I covered Wiggins and Levine's rookie season, and they won. I think like fifteen or sixteen games. Or yeah, yeah. I I'll go first. I will say what was it below twenty? I will say six. Okay. Yeah, I'll say six. Mm. God, there's some awful Wolves teams early in the day. <laughs> um, oh boy. I think I was gonna say five, but I'll say. Uh, I'll say five. <laughs> you both won this one. Oh, how? Uh, we have done it six times. Okay. But one of those was a COVID-shortened season. We had 19 wins in the season where uh, it ended right. with the bubble. And so, I feel like so we my would, percentage yeah, went. Because, I, I yeah. think we would have won one more game at least that but season. By the but word of the question. By the word of the question. It That's was six great. times. I was between five, six, and seven. So <laughs> right there. So five times without COVID. But oh. yes. Yikes. All right, this is the question of the season. I'm going to keep asking it. This is kind of what I'm keeping track of. Who has committed more fouls this season, Carl Anthony Towns or Jaden McDaniels? Wow. Well, man, Towns has played a lot fewer games. Um, and we know Jaden started the season hacking a lot. It's definitely tailed off a little bit in, in past weeks. Towns, when he's out there, he does rack him up, even though he's probably played fewer so games. many offensive and this fouls. Is total fouls. Yeah, this is total fouls total for this fouls. season so far. Man, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it's still Jaden McDaniels, but it's probably getting real close. I'll so. go, I'll go with Towns. Uh, Neil is gonna get this one right. Oh, <laughs> I had to be different, but yeah, Jaden, he's a foul machine. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a five foul difference. Uh, Jaden oh, McDaniel is third in the league with 131 <laughs> fouls. Cat is fifth in the league with 126. <laughs> per game, though, Cat is leading. He has 3.7 per game. Jaden is 3.4. So I sort of won. And also, <laughs> it feels like this is a lot of fouls for Cat, but like 3.7 per game. He did that last year. He's had 3.8 before in his career. He's led the league twice in personal fouls. So <laughs> it's also, just kind of the norm for I have, a, I have a stat written down here. I wanted to, yeah, please. to read it. Drop but it, drop it. We lead the NBA in fouls per game at 22.1. And I was kind of thinking, like, how much is the defensive success that we just hack so many guys? I know. And like, it, we kind of pissed them off. We like, we're hacks. But I kind of like it. You can't lead the league in turnovers if you're not hacking some people. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta get into you gotta get into them. But yeah, that's that's a weird one right there. Yeah, yeah they defending without fouling is not their strong. Suit. That brings me to our next question. Ooh. The Timberwolves have two players who are in the top twelve in the league in terms of total steals. Who are the two players, and which one is in the league? Hmm. I mean, obviously, I mean, I think it's obvious that it's Bando and Bev. But actually, I think Ant's one of the players. Interesting. He, I mean, again, we come down to the who's played more, and Beverly has missed a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And Ant, I think, has played every game except for like one. Or no, he was out for a couple with the COVID with the COVID protocols, maybe like three or four. Um, yeah, you're probably right. I think it's Ant and Vando. Yeah, I'll go Ant Vando. No, I'll, I'll stick with um, Vando and Pat Bev. I, and I will say, but Vando's number one. I'll say Vando's one. What do you, who do you think's one though, John? Um, God, it's a really good question. I'll just say Ant. Why not? Okay. All right. All right. A lot of differences in there. Well, uh, John is correct that it's Vando and Ant. Neil is correct that Vando has more. Oh. There's two steals separating them. So already with the Grizzly game in progress, this might have it changed. It might have changed. But Vando uh, coming into tonight was 10th in the league with 57 steals. Ant is 12th with 55. Wow. What about Bev? Do you know how many he has? He wasn't in. I didn't see him he's in the top. Yeah, the top. It was a total thing. He's missed a lot of games. Not That's what it was. Uh, per game, he's doing really well, actually. Yeah. He's like top 10 per game. But. Um, all right. Who has hit the most three-pointers this season for the Wolves? Once again, we have two players in the top ten in the league for three-pointers made. 
you can try Total and name sense. both of those players, but really I'm interested in which Wolf has hit the most three-pointers this season. Well, we've said before that we have three who are on pace for 200 total made threes this year so but yeah they're all bunched up in there i'm not really sure which the question is who's made the most yep this year total made um boy um i'm gonna say and then what was the other question um i was saying two two of the players are in the top 10 for in the league three-pointers made that's weird right timberwolves uh so two timberwolves are in the top three for three-pointers made this season i'll say it's um edwards and towns and i think edwards has the most um We'll say Edwards, and I think I have a, a feeling you're trying to throw a curveball here, so I'll say Malik Beasley, and he has the most makes, too. Beasley? Sure, why not? That's correct. Oh! Beasley is tied for sixth in the league with 124 made threes. He's shot 358. I had that. I knew. Yeah. I know he leads the team, so I was like, you know what? He's not shooting he's that great, but he's getting them up. Yeah, it feels like he's been struggling, and yet he's still made the sixth most in the league this I season. think they're like almost always a good shot, too. Maybe it's just because his form is so impeccable, mm-hmm. but I'm never mad at his shots. No. And, and because there are a lot of times they're catch and shoot, which I'm almost never... Like, almost any player on the team can take a catch and That's shoot the thing. I keep seeing this... Um, People like don't don't want Jalen Noel to just take Malik Beasley's role. I swear he's not going to shoot this poorly all season. Yeah. Like, and you're right. Like so many of his looks, looks you're like, yep, good. good. And Finch says the same thing all the time. I'm fine with all twelve of those. Yep. He's never like leaning. He's never, you know, he's not like Ant where he's taking all these like really hard. Yeah, ones. he's not taking challenge shots or whatever. Yeah, yeah but just, Ant, uh, you know, he's tied for tenth in the league right now with 114. Well, we know the number one yeah. attempt, so that it makes sense in that way. D'Lo is tied for thirtieth with 92 made threes, so he's not quite on pace right now. He's falling off pace for 200, but uh, he can get back there pretty quickly. He missed some games with COVID, obviously. All right, uh, what's the longest winning streak we've had this season? Hmm. Uh, I want to say four. I, don't th- I think they've had four a couple times, but not five. Okay. I'll say five. John's right. It's five. Ah! I thought this would be a good trick question because Ant went on, or Towns went on a rant after the Pelicans That's what I was game about, about. We, we can never get past four. You know, the winning streak got even five, not six. You know, like whatever. He went on a whole oh, rant had, about it. They had five, huh? Yeah, it was from November seventeenth to November twenty fourth. We beat the Kings, the Spurs, the Grizz, the Pelicans, and the Heat. That's okay. Stretch. Yeah, you're right. Yep. Which brings us to our longest losing streak. How many games is our longest losing streak? Ooh, this was more than that. Um, I want to say six, but maybe it was even more. I'll say, I'll say six. I'm feeling seven. Neil's correct. It is six. I thought it was like eight coming into it. So the fact that our longest losing streak is only one game worse than our longest winning streak, it's like, wow. Yeah. Not not bad, Wolves. I thought you you got up to an eight thing. All right, let's do three more questions. I like this one. Who said, quote, they had guys that sat out and thought it was sweet to come back and play against us. It ain't sweet. Who is that a quote from? Um, they had oh. guys that sat out and thought it was sweet to come back and play against us. That's a D'Angelo Russell sweet. quote. Yeah, I knew it was Russell too. Yeah. Yep, that was after uh, the Sixers double overtime game. Oh, I, yeah, lo- yeah, I, yeah. Loved, I loved that comment. I, I loved it too, so game. totally. Well, and then Town said we thought it'd be sweet the other night for, <laughs> for New Orleans. He like, he, like used that Remixed line it. of being like, we thought it'd be sweet. Yeah, yeah, was, <laughs> yeah I like that. They're, they share vocabulary. There. Yeah. All right, this uh, goes back into the fouls. Who has fouled out the most times this season? Uh, I'll say McDaniels. Yeah. That that's the first name I was gonna say. Uh, yeah, Jaden leads the league. He's fouled out seven times. Oh my! There's a three-way tie for second place. Towns is t- 
tied for second place with four times being fouled out. So Jaden has been fouled out of a game three more times than second place. He's seven. Second place is four. <laughs> I feel like it's really rare for like foul out guys to also be like not tech guys. Like he has zero techs probably. Right. Zero yeah. like like usually guys are fouled out like either like they're like Draymond who's like complaining a lot or they're like bruisers who like intentionally foul or something. I guess the idea is like you're okay with Jaden fouling out. You're not going to pull him onto the bench if he's got five. Whereas Towns you're like okay yeah. let's try to manage this. Yeah he's bit, in but. situations where he's going to put the foul. Jaden does not show basically any emotion. Yeah. He's like quiet like that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, so that brings us to our last question. I'm going to not ask the question about the largest margin of victory and the largest margin of defeat. Uh, we, our largest margin of victory is a 43-point win over the Memphis Grizzlies, which we were talking about maybe pre-show. That was like number one in the league like for the season for like a couple days. Yeah. And some of the team got plowed. I think it was okay. So yeah, and okay, our so biggest yeah. margin of defeat was a 32-point loss to the Jazz Ooh. December 8th. All right. So our final question, which teams have we already played four times this season? No way. We've played the team four times? Oh. At least one. At least one. Okay, so it's not a trick question. It's not, not a zero. I wasn't say jazz. We I, they think we've only played them three. I think I know what it is. Do you know what the, t- the answer is? I have a, I have an answer Ooh. in mind. It's not the Rockets, right? No, I think that's only two. I, we've played the Pelicans quite a few times. Pelicans is up there. I think they're three. Mm, who else? The Thunder we played back to back, but I don't think we've played them... Any other times? I'm almost certain. Okay, like ninety percent. It's the LA Clippers. That's a really good guess. Yeah. Any other ideas? Lakers? Mm, no, we played them twice. I feel like we've played the Clippers four times already. That's the only. And or but if I wasn't certain about Pelicans three, that would maybe be my other guess. I'll tell you, there are two teams that we have played four times. Two, oh, two teams are done with from the Western Conference. What? Clippers. We've played the Jazz a lot, but I don't think it's... Again, I think I'm stuck on three on that one. I am too. Clippers and not Denver. I think the Pelicans, but... I mean, the best guess is in division because you have to play those teams four times, whereas it's a possibility you're only playing the Pacific team three times or whatever. So it's not Portland. It's not... um, it's not OKC, so it's either it's probably either Denver or Utah. And it's not Portland. Right. So it's either Denver or Utah, I would guess. I know LA is one of them. So second guess will be, will be uh, I'll guess Utah, just in case. But I think we still have one. All right. Your second guess, John? Um, God, I don't know. Yeah, listen to your gut. I'll just Pelicans. I don't know. Pels. Pels is right. Ah! Clippers and Pels. We're done with them. We're done with them. <laughs> wow, we did do four times. Done for the season. The yep, yes, that's Pels. right. So split the season series against the Pelicans. I think we might have split against the Clippers. No, I think we were one and three against the Clippers. So yeah. Probably some teams we haven't played at all. I mean, uh, it's I, so mean weird. I mean from the West. I mean, there's probably some from the East, obviously. Yeah, I think but. we've played like the Spurs once. Yeah. Because I'm I'm waiting to play the, them more. Have we played the Kings? Really I don't think we played the Kings. We played yet. them once. Okay. We, we beat them at home because Ant uh he had that amazing uh, dribble drive. Yeah, yeah. I think we've only played the Suns once too. Okay. So maybe we have done them all then. There you go. Well, uh, yes, that is it for the you know season uh, you know midseason report. I guess as we'll put it for uh, your Minnesota Timberwolves, John. Thank you so much for joining us for what feels like like the fourth straight year. We try and make it an annual thing. Thanks for coming to the crib. Um, it's John Meyer. It's uh, at the Daily Wolf. Actually, Twitter. at Meyer NBA. Yeah, Meyer NBA. Yep. I'm sorry. You changed it All up. All good. 
Daily Wolf is is the nickname for it now, right? You can uh, yes, sir. In spirit, you are the Daily you Wolf. Can solve, you can still call me the Daily Wolf, but yeah, thanks thanks for having me, guys. It's always fun to do this with uh, what is it, the longest running Wolves podcast? It is. Right? is that what we're gonna call it? It is. I think so. Uh, we're gonna call it that because it's true, and um, that's how we roll. Um, but John, no, no one's corrected us yet. Nah, no one says otherwise. Just go with it. We're just gonna go with it until someone can prove it. Um, but John, um, contributor Canis Hoop is still rocking it over there. Anything that you're working on these days, or what was the most recent piece that people should go check out not really want? i've just been okay. focused on some game recaps and stuff I, nice. I'm, I'm gonna try to put together some up some bigger long form articles i just haven't Great. decided i think i think i want to write something about ant and just his his evolution in year two and there's there's so many great ant quotes that i feel like it, it deserves uh something longer <laughs> absolutely he's providing lots each of each one fodder. is a gem it's like a, each one's a snowflake you know <laughs> yes. unique, and, unique and beautiful well, fantastic. Well, uh, we'll be back uh, next week as we do every week with another episode of Wolves Cast. We'll see how this uh, second half of the season goes for the team. But thanks for listening this week. Thanks to John for joining us. We'll catch you next week at Wolves. Stay cold. Peace. He's cold. He's cold. Jim Peterson, during the timeout, aren't you glad you're not no. there in person to have to see the. the- yeah. Yeah. Clownsing the king cake baby. Mm-mm. No, no, no. Looks unhealthy. <laughs> and we have to watch that thing when we go down in New Orleans. It's, you know, there are some kids, you know, that are afraid of mascots. I know my son Sanjay, when he was little, he used to keep an eye on Crunch all the time. He used to, he had to know where Crunch was. He would, did not want Crunch sneaking up on him. I'm positive he would not want the king cake baby sneaking up on him. I, uh, <laughs> I, I don't need to see the king cake mm. baby. Mm.